So we're doing this little two-part series on dominion. I talked to Jim Caseman yesterday. I've been checking in with him from time to time as Kathleen has departed and in heaven. And I told him what I was going to be speaking on today. I said, you know, we're getting back to the basics on the authority of the believer. He says, those aren't basics. Those are a way of life. In other words, what he was saying to me, and I received it, is, you know, we don't move on from the authority of the believer. We don't go back to it. We live in it. Amen. We live in the dominion that God has given us. And that's what Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 says. At the very end of that, he says, And let them have dominion. Let mankind have dominion. You and I, we have been made for mastery. We have been made for dominion. Not to be dominated, but made for dominion. Amen. And of course, that's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, over all the earth, and even creeps. And so God created man in his own image. In the image that, that's a good word. There's a lot of creepy things happen out there. But we've got dominion over those things. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. Everyone say, I have have dominion. dominion. Now one of the key points that we made last week, we looked at Genesis chapter 3, When Satan came along to tempt Adam and Eve, he said, Yea, has God said. And of course, they yielded to the deception. But one of the key points was this, is you can tell what the enemy fears in your life by recognizing what he attacks. And one of the common things that he attacks us with are his questions. And he only attacks what is a threat to him. And we also found out that the enemy will attempt to make you question what God has said. Not only what God has said, but what God has said about you. And then we got inspired and we preached a while on that 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 term, Yea, hath God said, we need to speak up and say, Yes, God has said. And I'm going to say what he has said. Because I know if I say what he said, it will trump what you're trying to say to me. Amen? I know that if I live my life believing in my heart and saying with my mouth what God has said, I know that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will keep me free from the law of sin and death. And why is that? Because faith-filled words or words that are filled with faith, they will dominate the laws of sin and death. Amen. And so sin and death are all around us, but we can create a shield of faith by the words that we speak on a daily and on a regular basis. Words of faith like, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Words of faith like, by His stripes... I am healed. Words of faith like, praise God, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Amen? 
So we, we've been looking at this subject a little bit. We've been made for mastery, created for dominion. We are children of the king. And as a child of the king, he told us not to be afraid. We find in Luke chapter 12 and in verse 32, and this is in Young's literal translation, it says, For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the rain. Amen. We looked last week at that we are, as Christ's children, as children of God, we are to reign in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Fred Price used to say it this way. He says, you are either reigning in life or life is reigning on you. I would a whole lot rather reign in life than have life reigning on me. So we are children of God, created in the image and likeness of God. And the Father has taken great delight in giving you the reign. That word reign there means he's given you the dominion. He's given you the authority. Now, I want you to notice that this dominion and this authority is not for the hereafter. This dominion and this authority that he's given us is for the here and now in this life. Pull up Romans 5 verse 17 and let's look at that again. We're going to look at it in the Amplified. I want you to go ahead and read it with me. Let's read. For us, because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely, who received God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with him, reign as kings in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Now notice reigning in this life. Amen. Having dominion here, having dominion now, having dominion on the way to work tomorrow morning, having dominion at the gas pump. Right? I, I know, I know that gas prices are, are high. But don't, aren't you glad we serve a God named El Shaddai? And he's the most high. Amen. So heaven is not shook up by what's going on here on earth. And you are of God. We are living in this world, but thank God we are not of this world. And because we are not of this world... We do not have to be conformed to this world. Whether or not you and I are conformed to this world is our choice and it's our decision. Because the world system is all around us. And the world system has a flow, if you will, and is going on a downward cycle. And if we're not careful, we can allow that flow, that negativity, that flow of sin and death, that which is going in the wrong direction of the kingdom of God. We could, if we allowed ourselves, be conformed to that. So it's my choice. When I get up in the morning, I have a choice to rejoice 
or I have a choice to moan. I can groan and I can complain. But the choice then becomes yours. I refuse to be conformed to this world. Have you noticed that there's a lot of things in this world that aren't right? There's a lot of things in this world that are anti-Bible. There's a lot of things in this world that are anti-Christ. Well, how am I going to know the difference between the world and the Word? You've got to get into the Word and be conformed to the Word rather than being conformed to the world. You will be able to differentiate what's right from wrong as you look into the perfect law of liberty. And the perfect law of liberty is designed to inform you and it is also designed to set you free and to keep you free. And so we do not have to conform to anti-Christ philosophies. We do not have to conform to what is in this world. We are not of this world. We are living in this world. But thank God we are not of this world. We are from another world. We're a new creation, a new species that has never existed before. We are children of the Most High God. Submitted to God. What does it mean to be submitted to God? When you're submitted to God, you're submitted to His Word. And when you're submitted to His Word, you're submitted to His way of thinking, His word of His way of acting, and His way of speaking. Amen. Have you noticed when you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, not only did He give you new eyes and new ears, but He also made available to every one of us a new language. He's given us the absolute delight and joy to speak the language of redemption. So be not conformed to this world. Well, somebody says, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. It doesn't matter what everybody's doing. What matters is what has God done and what God wants to do in your life. See, what God wants to do in our life is different than what people are doing in the world. Somebody says, you got something against people in the world? No. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We are not to scold the world. We are not to scowl at the world. We are to love the world. But loving the world doesn't mean we need to accept everything the world is doing. Are you tracking with me today? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God for the life of God. Thank God we are not dominated by this world system. Hallelujah. I'm not going to meddle much longer, but I might meddle a little bit more. Glory to God. Now notice again, we are to reign where? In life through who? Reign in life through who? Christ Jesus. We will never reign in life without Him. Without Him, we cannot reign. 
Without him, we can absolutely do nothing. Now, there are people that are on their way to heaven that are not reigning in life. And one of the reasons why they are not reigning in life is they're trying to reign in life without making Jesus Christ their Lord. There's a difference between having Him as your Savior and Lordship. Lordship means, like Ray just said, Lordship means He is your Master. Lordship means you are committed and you are wholeheartedly submitted to His will, His plan, and His way of life for you. And when you get to that point in your life, you're qualified to reign in life. Does God love everybody? Yes, He does. He loves people who have made Jesus their Lord, and He loves people who makes Jesus as their Savior. But there's something about being one of the rare kind. There's something about being one of those special breed. The ones that have sold out. Am I looking at a sold out bunch today? Woo, glory to God. So I choose to reign. I'm choosing to reign in life. Hallelujah. Notice this again, Luke 12, 32. Luke 12 and 32. He said, fear not, little flock, because your father, he delighted to give you the rain. How do king's kids reign? How do we reign? One way, but not the only way that we reign in life is through words. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says this, Where the word of a king is, there's power. Job 22, I believe it is. Um, not sure of the verse. It says, Job 22, it says, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. And the light of God... And the light of His favor is going to shine upon your life. Hallelujah. Now, the Apostle Paul, I mean, did he have a revelation of who we are in Christ? Did he not have a revelation of the fact that we've been seated together with Him? And we've been made to sit together with Him? in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. Ephesians the second chapter in the sixth verse. Notice this verse. It says this. And he raised you up together with him and he made us to sit together. Notice. Giving us joint seating with him. Joint seating with him. In the heavenly sphere. 
By virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Joint seating with Him. From that seat in Christ, this is where we reign from. As heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, we have joint seating with Him. And through that seat of authority is where you and I reign from. Now, something interesting happened to the Apostle Paul. I firmly believe on his way to getting the revelation that he has shared so beautifully in his epistles. I believe something happened to Paul that opened his eyes and gave him understanding that he did not have to put up what the devil was trying to put out in his life. How many of you remember Paul went before the Lord concerning a thorn in the flesh that he had? So I want us to take a look at this before we bring Brother Hagan out to preach to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to notice verse 7. The Apostle Paul was a man of God whom the enemy knew carried great ammunition for the body of Christ. In 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and we begin in verse 7. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now listen, this is revelation. And he, the Lord, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now notice Paul's response. He said, Therefore, most gladly, will I rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, when I am weak, what am I? I am strong. There came a point in Paul's life where he realized that he didn't need to beg the Lord. This is a big statement. Believers are not beggars. When you know your authority and you know your dominion, you will not need to beg the Lord. You will just take what the Lord said and live in it and act upon it and you will see it come to pass in your life. But Paul... He went before the Lord three times. And here's what Jesus said. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And I want you to know right now in your life, what you're facing, what you're going through, His grace is sufficient for you. 
What that means is His grace is more than enough for you. Because His strength is always made perfect or is perfected in the midst of our weakness. That's why we can declare that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's why in the midst of weakness, we can stir ourselves up and rejoice. Now, I want you to notice what Rick, Rick Renner said. Rick Renner's got some great revelation in the Greek. Rick translated this specific verse to say this. My grace is more than enough for you. Say that with me. Your grace, Your grace is, more is more than enough for me. He goes on to say, if you'll receive it, you'll find that it will sufficiently endow you with more than you need to deal with any situation. I'll read that again. If you will receive it. Is it important to receive abundance of grace? Without receiving the abundance of grace, we will never reign in life. He went on to say, if you'll receive it, you'll find that it will sufficiently endow you with more than you need to deal with any situation. Anybody got any situations that you're dealing with right now? Everybody. We all do. Never factor out His grace. His grace upon our lives will bring the power to see us through any difficulty. Then he goes on to say, My power is always on hand. Available to help you in moments when you are weak and needy. Oh, lift up your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before the throne of God today. We come before the throne of grace. And we access this great grace, which you said is so sufficient. Which you said is perfect in our weakness. We access your grace right now with our faith. And we activate this now in the name of Jesus. Pray this with me. Say this together. In the name of Jesus, I receive your grace for my particular situation in my home, in my body, in my business, in all my relationships. Your grace is sufficient. It's more than enough for me today. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands up and praise Him. Glory to God. Ha, 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 devil. No, 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 no. No, we don't have to stress. We don't have to strive. We just come and we receive great grace in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Again, 
Paul asked the Lord three times. And the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you. My goodness. You know, there's a lot of believers today that have their thinking wrong. And the only cure for wrong thinking is the Word of God. And these are wonderful people, holy people, sanctified people, but their thinking is wrong. And one of the areas where their thinking is wrong is, is they're asking and they're begging God to do something about the devil. They're asking and begging God to do something about their situation. Now, I want to show you, it's a seven-minute clip from Dad Hagen on a vision that he had many, many years ago. You'll see this clip is probably from the 80s. He still had a little color in his hair. was in a different auditorium. And he shares so clearly some things that I need and we're, we're saying today. Let's go ahead and show it now. Can you say amen? amen? I remember 1952, I was holding a revival meeting here in the state of Oklahoma. And during that uh, meeting, the Lord appeared to me in a vision. That was the second time that he, well, really the third time that he appeared to me. First in 1950, and through 1950 through 1959, the Lord Jesus appeared to me eight different times. And uh, three times out of eight talked to me for an hour and a half. And this was one of those times. I'll not go into all of it, but there's something here I want you to get. He appeared to me in this vision, spoke to me. And right at the end of the vision, he was talking to me about the devil, demons, and demon activity, and how to exercise authority over them. And right at the end of the vision, he seemed to be standing up about where the ceiling of the room was, and I was kneeling there before him. And, and so here came a demon, or an evil spirit, between the two of us, and put out something like a smoke screen or a dark cloud. And I couldn't see Jesus anymore. And then that demon just jumped up and down. It looked a whole lot like a little monkey. When I say little monkey, I don't mean exactly, but I mean about that size and sort of monkey-like. Face was different, but body was sort of like a little monkey. And, and he jumped up and down and, and waved his arms and his legs, kicked his legs, and in a real shrill-like voice said, yakety-yak-yak. Yakety-yak-yak. Just as shrill like a whistle almost and pierce your ears. I couldn't hear one word that Jesus was saying. And I couldn't see him because of the dark cloud. And, and, and I wondered, you know, just in a few seconds I wondered, well now why did the Lord permit that? Why, why did he let that happen? I needed to hear what he was saying. And I'm not hearing what he's saying. Don't he know that I'm not hearing what he's saying? Why don't he tell that demon to stop? Why don't he rebuke that demon? Why don't he make him stop? Those thoughts are going through my mind. That's what I'm thinking. But the dark cloud's still there. I can't see Jesus. I can't hear a word he's saying. And yet I hear the sound of his voice, but I can't distinguish any words. And so I almost panicked, you know. I thought I need to hear that. And so suddenly, just without thinking, I just suddenly said, spoke to the Spirit. And I said, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to shut up and to stop. 
Now, when I said that, I mean he just hit the floor kerflop. The cloud disappeared, and I could see Jesus standing there then. And, and that little demon just lay there on the floor and whimpered and whined and shook like a little pup that you'd whipped, you know. And then Jesus said something that absolutely upended my theology. <laughs> I mean, it was different than anything else. Sometimes our theology needs to be upended. See what you want to, it's absolutely the truth. Jesus pointed to that spirit lying there in the floor, a whimpering and a whining and a shaking like he's afraid, pointed to him and said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't. And I remember I got a hold of my ear and shook it. I said, Lord, you know, I, I didn't hear right. Now, I know that you didn't say that if I hadn't done something about that uh, demon, you couldn't. You said you wouldn't, didn't you? He said, I said, if you hadn't done something about that demon or evil spirit, I couldn't. I said, there's something wrong with my hearing. I, I'm not a hearing right. Now, you didn't say if I hadn't done something about that spirit, demon spirit, you couldn't. You said you wouldn't, didn't you? No, he said, and spoke real. I mean, firm and stern-like. You know, he can get stern. I, I, I don't imagine he looked too happy, you know, when he took that whip and drove those money chambers, changes out of the temple. I imagine he looked pretty stern, wouldn't you think so? And I mean, he got real stern with me. <laughs> And, and he looked at me very sternly and said, No, I said I could. Now I said, Lord, that's, a, that's just different than anything I've ever heard. That's different than anything I've ever preached myself. I said, I, I can't accept that. I don't care if I am seeing you and hearing you talk to me. I'll not accept any vision, any kind of experience, if it can't be proven by the written word. And I said, I can't accept that unless you give me at least three references. But, and all of them in the New Testament, because we're living in the New Testament. Because I said, the Bible said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So you're going to have to give me at least three references in the New Testament for me to accept it. You think he got angry with me? He smiled then so sweetly and said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four. <laughs> Well, I said, I've read the New Testament through 150 times. And if there's anything like that in there, I don't know it. He said, why, son, there's a lot in there you don't know yet. <laughs> I'm so glad there is. Amen. 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 Praise God. And so Jesus proceeded to get me further in hot water before he got me out. You know, he'll do that sometimes. Amen? You see, friends, what happens with us is that a lot of time people try to figure things out in their head. But we've got to get the revelation of what God's saying in our spirits, in our hearts, on the inside of us. So then Jesus went on and said to me, There is no place in the New Testament anywhere where any writer, that is, any of those that wrote a letter to the churches, Paul, James, John, Peter, Jude, 
any of them that wrote a letter to the churches, he said there's no place in the New Testament where any writer told the church to pray to God the Father about the devil. Or prayed, told the church to pray to the God the Father to do anything about the devil. Or prayed that God would rebuke the devil. And he said to pray to me, Jesus Christ, or to God the Father to rebuke the devil is to waste your time. I said, dear Lord, I've wasted a lot of time. Because I guess we all have. Amen. Before the revelation came. I've said I've wasted a lot of time. See, people who ask God to rebuke the devil are wasting their time. That's what he told me. You see, now why? The least member of the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. Now, see, a lot of times people would think, well, now Paul's apostle. He's got power over the devil. Somebody specially called of God's got authority over the devil, but not me. No, the least member in the body of Christ has just as much authority over the devil as anyone else. Amen. Amen. And unless believers do something about the devil, nothing will be done. Now, he can tell that story a whole lot better than I can. That's why I wanted to show that to you. Mark Brzee was sharing the same story down in Tulsa this morning, and he can't tell it as well as Brother Hagen is either. So I'm going to suggest to him that he show that video. But uh, praise God. Uh, that's, that's where Brenda and I met. We met at Rima Bible Training Center back in 1976. Uh, we met, fell in love, praise God, got married July tw uh, 22nd, 1977. And uh, praise God, that week camp meeting was taking place. So all that week I had a front row seat at camp meeting, helping the speakers in and different things like that. But they're celebrating their 50th camp meeting this summer. Amen. What a delight, huh? What a blessing. And uh, we're going to be there. We're going to obviously bring a, a great offering for that but I am so thankful for Brother Hagen's ministry uh, I'm telling you the things that we've experienced throughout the years as a result of being uh, very closely associated with them have just been world uh, just, just so life changing for us just a, a great great blessing matter of fact how many of you have ever been in the church when Brother Hagen's been here before yeah, he, he came to our church at least five times, and we're thankful for that. But I want to close today, and I want to share with you the four scriptures that Jesus gave to Brother Hagin. The four scriptures, which really confirm what the Spirit of the Lord uh, is saying. The first one we're going to look at is Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Say with me, I've been made... I've been created for dominion. I have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing at any time or in any way shall ever hurt me or harm me. I have been called to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy 
Satan, all demonic forces are under my feet. Therefore, I walk on top of them. I walk on top of sickness and disease. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm, glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. You know, sometimes there's a little a sarcastic term uh, that people use when someone's going through a test or a trial. You know, the worst thing you can do when someone's going through some things is throw salt in their wounds. And one of the sarcastic things that people say, sometimes unknowingly, they just say, ah, get over it. You ever heard that before? Some of you husbands may have heard that on the way to church. I don't know. <laughs> just get over it. But let's take that from a spiritual point of view. When we say, get over it, we don't mean sarcastically. When we say, get over it, get on top of it. Amen. Get on top of it. You've been raised up above that. So there are some things that we need to get over. Come on, somebody. One thing that we need to stay on top of is stay on top of sin. In Romans 6, 14, he says this, For sin shall not have dominion, what? Over you, for you are not under sin. You are living in the grace of God. Amen. Now in Matthew 28, we'll go through these rather quickly. In the Amplified Version, these four scriptures, Jesus said, All authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. So we see here, when Jesus rose from the dead, he immediately delegated his authority to the church. Amen? He won the victory over the devil, and then he authorized us to use his power. And then Mark chapter 16 was another verse that the master gave to Brother Hagin. Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. It says, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach your opinion to every creature. No, go preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now notice this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. One translation says, These signs shall accompany the believing ones. In my name, now notice the emphasis, they shall cast out devils. Not praying to the Lord. But they, believers, they shall cast out devils. Amen. Amen. They, believers, shall speak with new tongues. They, believers, shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it'll not hurt them. They, believers, shall lay hand on the sick and they shall recover. Now notice every time it says, and Brenda did a beautiful exhortation on the name of Jesus. And Sabrina sang a beautiful song in Michelle. But notice each time it says, in my name, they shall. In my name. So faith in his name. Say it with me. I have faith in his name. Hallelujah. That means that in his name... 
we shall exercise authority over the devil. Because he has delegated his authority over the devil to the church. And I know I've talked about this a lot, but I need to talk about it one more time. We should not have school shootings in the Bay Area. This is our territory. This is where we live. But we don't want to coast. We want to stay on our post, if you will, in prayer and stay on our post from our seat of authority and continually plead the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus over all of our schools. And I'm not just talking about private schools. I'm talking about public schools. I'm talking about each and every school in the Bay Area. So say it with me real strong in the name. In the name name, above every name. We exercise our authority from our seat of dominion and we declare in the name of Jesus, no school shootings in the San Francisco Bay Area. This is our territory. We take the name, we have faith in the name, and we plead the blood of Jesus over all of our schools. In Jesus' name. Do that on a regular basis. Exercise your dominion. Exercise your authority. So he says, well, I don't have kids in school. What difference does that make? These children are precious to God. And I think we ought to be a little bit more interested in others than we are ourselves all the time. Did I just say that? Yes, I did. I think we ought to be a whole lot more interested in what's going on in the world than we are what's going on in our world. If you will give yourselves in prayer and give yourself to this kind of dominion and this kind of authority, if you will put him first and seek him first, all these other things in your world are going to be added to you. Oh, say it with me real strong. It's being added... It's being added to me. Well, Pastor Mark, don't you ever worry about finances? Not since I got the revelation not to. Well, Pastor Mark, don't you ever worry about your physical body? Not since I got the revelation that I don't need to. My body, your body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We could say it this way, that our bodies are His territory. And what we need to do is put a great big sign in the realm of the Spirit. No trespassing, Mr. Devil. That means you. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. My home is a holy habitation. No trespassing in Jesus' name. I heard the organ right there. James chapter 4, verse 7. James the fourth chapter. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Seems like it's hard to get off of that today. Make Him Lord. Did you know that if we're not submitted to God, the enemy will not submit to us? Another way we could say it is this. If we're yielding to the enemy, don't expect him to yield to you. James 4, 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Then notice, resist 
the devil, and what will he do? He will flee from you. So then it's our responsibility to enforce Jesus' victory and Satan's defeat. The Amplified Version says, Resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Kenneth Woos' translation says this, Stand immovable against the onset of the enemy. Still another says, Resist the devil, and he will run from you as in stark terror. And then lastly, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice with me in verse 8 and verse 9. Be sober. Now that's quite a word for some people. Let's just, let's just stay there for a minute. Be sober. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess. But rather be filled with what? Amen. If you're going to get intoxicated, you, might, you, you, you may want to get intoxicated with the right spirit. There's a wrong spirit out there that people are getting intoxicated with. But oh, there's the right one. The Holy Ghost. Woo, hallelujah. We've said it before, we'll say it again. There ain't no high like the most high. Be stimulated, be intoxicated with the Spirit. Be sober. Now, there's a lot of other things that people are intoxicated with. It not, it's not just dealing with that area, but it's also dealing with other areas like the cares of this life. Did you know that you can get so full of care and so full of fear and so full of we're, uh, uh, worry that it's intoxicating? And not in a good way, but in a bad way. So when he says here, be sober, this deals with a lot of areas of our life. Be sober. Then he goes on to say, be vigilant. Why? Why? I'm asking for some help. Why? Because your adversary, the devil. Let's stop right now. The devil is not your friend. I'm going to say it again. The devil is not your friend. He does not play fair. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. He is an enemy. He is our adversary. So, we should not give him any place in our lives. Are you listening? Because he is an adversary, he's looking just for an inch. And if we give him an inch, he will try to take the whole nine yards. He is territorial. He is our adversary. That's why in our lives, we should always be aware and cognizant of what we are doing with our time. What are we feeding on in the areas of entertainment? Did you know that a lot of the entertainment that is out there is really demonically inspired? 
I mean, you can't even hardly watch Hallmark anymore before they don't before they show some antichrist agenda on their network. So here's what I'm saying to you. In Proverbs 4:23 it says this, protect your spirit. For out of your spirit, out of your inner man is going to flow the issues of life. I don't know about you, but I cannot afford to give the devil one inch in my life. I have walked out of movie theaters several times when they start using the Lord's name in vain. Somebody says, oh, Pastor Mark, you're just being religious. No, I'm not being religious. I'm being smart. Because I do not want that and those words talking to me in the middle of the night. He's an adversary. He's an enemy. And he will even use humor and inject his agenda into humorous things and try to get you to laugh. We need to protect our spirits. We need to close down, now listen to this, the attempts of the enemy to bring his agenda into our living rooms, into our hearts, and into our minds. There is so much sexual images in this world. So much. We do not want to subject ourselves to those images on computers or subject ourselves to those images in movie theaters. Somebody says, oh, but that, that, that just doesn't bother me. You're a... Well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Thank you. Almost said you're a fool, but that's wrong. Pastor Nancy said you're deceived. Yep. Yep. Amen. Amen. Foolishness. We have an adversary. He walks about as a roaring lion. Yeah, but I've been a Christian 50 years. Well, that's great that you've been a Christian 50 years and you have succeeded in the area of temptation for 50 years. But watch out. The tempter cometh. I know a lot of ministers, a lot of ministries that don't have ministries today because they gave place to the adversary. Are you still here? I didn't know all this was in here, but this is, this is right. This is good. Do whatever you've got to do to shut the devil down and to keep him out of your life. This is the scripture the Lord gave to Brother Hagin. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... 
as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Aren't you glad there's another verse? I said, aren't you glad there's another verse? It doesn't say whom assist steadfast. It says whom resist steadfastly with your faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The believer, that's you, say it with me, that's me. The believer who thoroughly understands his responsibility to exercise his authority is able to fearlessly take authority over his enemy and successfully overcome every attack. Hallelujah. Glory. And that's shouting ground. I said that's shouting ground. So let's stand to our feet. Let's make some real awesome declarations this morning. Before that we head on out, praise God. Say this with me real, real strong. With one hand toward heaven, say this with me. The greater one one. lives in me. me. Greater is he that is in me me. than he that is in the world. world. Jesus, Jesus. you gave us authority to use your name. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, we come against those forces that would come against us. You said in your word that you are an enemy to our enemies. Thank you, Lord, that you are for me. When the enemy comes, I refuse to yield. I resist him with the authority of the believer in the name of Jesus. Therefore, with great confidence, I boldly declare that through the authority that's been given to me, because I've been called to reign in life, and because I have the keys of the kingdom of God, I bind every principality every power every ruler of the darkness of this age and I render you harmless and ineffective against me against my spirit against my soul against my body against my finances against my church against the Bay Area against our nation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ oh glory to God glory to God glory to God glory to God so fear not saith the Lord the onslaughts or the attacks of the enemy know this that that's just the way the enemy operates. So don't be afraid. Don't yield to fear. No, 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 no. Ha, stay filled with me. Stay filled with my word. Stay filled with my spirit. 
And as you are filled, so shall my presence come upon you and turn you into another person. Yea, when the enemy comes, because you're filled with me, ye shall speak forth my word. And the word shall go forth and be as if it were a sword. Yea, the very sword of the Spirit. And so shall the sword of the Spirit stop the attacks of the enemy. So shall the sword of the Spirit put the enemy on the run. So be not afraid, but rather rejoice, for I am on your side. I am for you. I am in you. And I shall come upon you, saith the Lord, in a time of adversity. And I will take you through just like I took Paul through. I'll take you through just like I took Moses and the children of Israel through. I am a God that is for you, that is on your side. So rejoice and be glad. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. For the greatest days are just ahead, saith the Lord. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, say with me, God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and of a sound mind.